Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, and if you'd stand with me this morning. I want to thank you for your generous giving last week to Bert and Cindy. Um, b- between your giving and a group of people that meet in Cordill, Christ Chapel Cordill, there's a, a group of five or six that are meeting in a home, waiting on the Lord to bring them a pastor there. And they sent several thousand dollars, and the entire need was met in one day. And I just want to thank you for that and give glory to the Lord. Luke 22, beginning with verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now what you might not know about this verse, just put your finger there is if you studied out in the Greek when he said, Satan hath desired you, it means you plural. So when he spoke to Simon, all the disciples were listening, and he said, Satan has desired you. And Satan has desired you. He's asked for you. That he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. What does that mean? He said, you will fail, but your faith will not fail. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both into prison and to death. Notice how Simon was ignoring the word of God. He said, Satan is desired to have you to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. Now, when you're converted, which means after you fall and when you turn back to me, encourage the brethren. And he said, no. No, I'm willing to go to prison and to even die for you. Look at the principle. I am the exception to God's word. And he said, Peter, the rooster will not crow today before you have denied me three times. Verse 54, look in your Bible. Then they took Christ and brought him into the high priest's house and Peter followed afar off. He followed what? Yeah, don't ever find yourself following at a distance. When they kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. This is after they had accosted Jesus and were bringing him before false witnesses right before the crucifixion. But a certain maid looked at him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with Jesus. And he denied, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You are one of his, one of his disciples. And he said, man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another, another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this man is with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately while he spake, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, Before the rooster crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now let me just read this in your hearing before you're seated. 1 Peter 1, for those taking notes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, You who are kept by the power of God through faith. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
It is with great anticipation today that we begin this series. I do not know how long it will go. I'm scared to tell you how many points, main points I've written out. It might thin us for the next couple weeks. But I do want to tell you this. The greatest need in your life today, in this hour of the church, and regardless if you are retired in your middle years or in the naivety of your youth, the greatest need in your spiritual life is to go deeper. Not higher. Don't fall for this uh, Pentecostal charismatic, uh, grab the height, next level. And here's why. Everyone that grabs a cheap height has not necessarily went deep. But everyone that descends deeper will always ascend higher and it's a residence. It's not a place that you visit, but a residence. Deeper consecration. We'll get into these later. Deeper humility. Deeper repentance. Deeper revelation. Deeper grace. Deeper perspective. Early on in my Christianity, one of the few times the Lord has given me a, 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 a day vision or a, a dream that I can say, this was directly from the Lord. I saw the people in our church where I was youth pastor standing in the shallow end of a pool. There was these grown men, but the pool was like knee deep. And they were splashing water and the deacons of the church were in the end. Everybody was just splashing water, splashing water and playing. And the deep end of the pool was empty. And in that same vision and dream, the Lord showed me uh, yards in a neighborhood and they were all barren. They were all dry, not green, but brown. And there was a yard of the month sign in front of it. And one of the people in our church was standing in front of it, proud. And when I woke up, I asked the Lord for me, I said, what does it mean? He said, it's imperative that you know where you really are. It's imperative that you know not just who God is, but who you are. And where you are. And how you are. Because your adversary, the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has studied you. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. I've heard many preachers say, you got to be careful. The devil attacks you at your weaknesses. Yes, he does. But he attacks you at your strengths. Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. And Satan caused him to stumble at the rock when the rock being a symbol of Christ. And he'd smote it one time already. And the water came forth. And the type was perfect. Jesus would not be beaten twice. And he said, now just speak to the rock. And Moses got so angry with the people that he said, must I bring water out of this rock again? And he hit it again. So the meekest man that ever lived showed arrogance. David was one of the purest men. Uh, pure in heart, loved the Lord God and committed adultery and murdered someone to hide it. John the Baptist was, the Jesus said, the greatest man that ever been born of woman up to that point and his confidence. And we find him in a prison saying, go ask Jesus, is he really the Messiah or should we look for another? This first message in the series is not, the motivation is not to get you to fear the devil. We do not fear him are his legions. We fear God and God alone, but we are conscious of him. And we are prepared for him. So when the devil cometh, he has nothing on us. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, deeper failure 
and deeper grace. You got to learn how to fail. Not make concession, but fail forward. Fail downward. Fail in humility and let the Lord uh, restore and resurrect you. Let me pray for myself and I invite you to join with me this morning. Lord, I just humble myself before you today and I'm... Uh, like Tammy said, amazed. I'm amazed how you've kept me through sluggish middle years and through uh, arrogance, through pride. How you've kept me, Lord, through lust and failure, uh, through weaknesses of my flesh, rationalizations of my sins. And I just humble myself before you and I state publicly that the only reason I still stand with you and for you is I was kept by your power. And I give you credit for that. Give us grace, O Lord. Give us, anoint our eyes that we might see uh, where we are today and that we might not make concessions for the enemy, that we would close every door, every window, no crevice, no room for him in our life. Help us, Lord to over the next few weeks not just take this as a sermon series to listen to but may we with shovel in hand dig out old wells that have been stopped up dig new wells that need to be dug dig away the debris go deeper not be satisfied with status quo may we be strong enough not only to survive Lord but to help other people pulling them out of pits of despair and loneliness and sin for the glory of your Son, we pray today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Going deeper in the Lord. Deep is where foundations are laid. Deep is where abundance is found. You remember when Jesus told the disciples, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a great uh, catch. Deep is where change occurs. Change doesn't occur on a mountain. Change occurs in valleys, an altar. Altars, uh, many people don't have altar services anymore, but an altar service is not about just you coming and kneeling. An altar is a place where something dies. Something dies, whether it's my plans, my arrogance, my pride, my rebellion. When someone comes and kneels at an altar, they're not putting a lamb or a goat up there. They're putting their self up there when they're convicted by the word or by the spirit. And they put to death the old man at an altar. That's why in this church, my goal is not to see how many of you respond to me, but to give you opportunity to respond to God every service. These altars are open every service. You can come in there. Well, I, I can just do it in my car. Yeah, but some of your pride needs to be assaulted. And I, I decided a long time ago, my entire Christian life, I sat on the second row and the first row. Now, those are my back row people in the cheap seats. Don't get mad at me. Don't write me. I'm just telling you why I sit there. Because there are many people, when I found, if I ever sat in the back, that weren't as serious about being there as I was, and they're playing in their purse, and now they're playing on their phone and talking and whispering. And I'm like, my soul's at stake. Y'all are just staring at me. I'm still sitting back here. I'm not trying to get you to move. I'm explaining to you about me. I had issues. And it's a short walk to the altar. I said, this. I mean, I was at the altar the first two years. Almost every Sunday. And people would be, oh, bless his heart. It might not even be what the preacher was preaching about. New converts 
are more tender because they still smell the hell that they were pulled out of. And so, for us, our need is to go deeper. Deep is where your faith is tried. Deep things are difficult to share. But after time, they're equally as difficult to hide. They can never be bought. And don't fall for the trap that some minister can lay his hands on you and impart depth. I've got an impartation. No, no. I have to have the experience. The shovel is dug with my hands. The wells are dug with my hands. They can never be bought, taught, transferred, or imparted. Depth is always intentional. Never happens by accident. It's revelational. It's transformational. It's more private than public. More invisible than visible. It requires diligence, obedience, self-denial, patience, honesty, loss, suffering, and misunderstanding. And depth is revealed in humility and crowned by longevity. And that's the emphasis of this first message. And I, I had to get this introduction for the series out there. But depth is important not just for intimacy, but longevity in the faith. Facebook is, um, as a pastor, a catch-22 for me. Almost everyone communicates to me through Facebook. But nothing grieves me more than to watch the lives of believers that go to this church and others when I see their pictures and I see their posts. And I, I feel like such a failure. I do. I, there's like, there's no... It's like Peter, I'm good. I'm good. And you don't even know what's coming. You don't even know that Satan, who is, has lived for millennia, has studied you and has strategically planned small, medium, and large trials and tests to corrupt your heart. And before you get into the issue of eternal security or just uh, salvation, here's what Jesus said. That we are made partakers of Christ if, if we hold the confidence of our faith steadfast unto the end. I didn't bring anything to the table but my faith. But I must have that firm, relying, exclusive trust in the Lord Jesus to finish the race. It's required of me. Saw a picture not too long ago of a well-known pastor in middle Georgia. He no longer pastors. And I saw a picture of him in a... Um, restaurant slash bar where the girls are not covered up and he's got his arms he's probably five years my senior he's got his arm around a 19 or 20 year old girl with uh, alcohol in his hand and uh, and before you get I'm thinking I'm talking about just a beer or drink, here's this man of God this man of God who is comfortable in the setting that he spent 40 years preaching other people out of. And Satan did a long con on him. For all those years, look what you're missing. Look what you've done without. And he did have self-denial. Early on as well in my faith, I had a dream about a Christian brother. I had a dream that he was standing in a bonfire. And he told me, see John... I don't get burned. 
it so rattled me that at 3 o'clock in the morning I went to his house and beat on the door and told him about my dream. And he said, well, I have no idea what it means, but thank you very much for sharing it with me. And it was only a period of a couple of weeks where his girlfriend got pregnant, he dropped out of Bible school, and is not following the Lord today. I did not say that to brag about myself. You are not aware of how many close calls you had, but because you were rooted and you were grounded. My most common prayer as a believer and a pastor is two things. As a pastor, I pray for wisdom so that I never lead this place wrong. And as a believer, I say, don't ever let me be deceived. Just whatever you got to do, whatever I got to see, I would rather hear your rebuke than rivers of praise from the lips of men. Don't let me think I stand when I'm about to fall. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty look before a fall. Where are you today? How close are you? How near are you? How satisfied with God are you? How close is the world? If Satan has asked for you, are you on guard? Are you on watch? Not fearful, prepared. Number one, Simon underestimated his adversary. Jesus told him, Satan has asked for you and he's going to sift you like wheat. He's going to throw you up in the air and sift out all of the things in your life. He's going to throw you to the wind. And Simon's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, this was, this was an angel in heaven that was up in the ranks of Gabriel and Michael. And he's not all powerful, but he is powerful. And he's not all-knowing, but he's well-versed in the dealings of men. And your adversary is real. And he knows you. He knows your children. He knows your address. He knows your weaknesses. And we act like it's no big threat, just like Simon did. Your adversary is powerful, ruthless, cruel, and merciless. Well, I've got, kind of got this deal with the devil. No, no. He, the Bible tells you as a believer, be sober. Don't be drunk on this world. Don't, don't be altered. There's some that party just so they can see how drunk they get and wake up somewhere so they don't recognize where they are. But the, the majority of people that drink it's to be altered. It's to shake off all the worries of this week and to just be lightheaded and lighthearted and forget about my life for a couple of hours and then recoup from the hangover on Sunday and then go back to a life I don't enjoy. Altered means not aware. Do you realize when you're drunk you're not aware? Is there anything more obvious than a drunk who doesn't think he's drunk? Coming from a drunk, may I tell you, might I suggest to you that everybody knows but you. He's not aware of his surroundings. This little boy, little car antenna, five foot five, you know, 130 pounds, and he walks up to some big guy, and who do you think you are? And you're going, oh, oh. He's thinking he is something that he is not. 
Simon, I don't care who comes after me. I'm ready to go to prison and die for you. And what Jesus was telling him is, you don't know yourself. You're buzzing on the notoriety of being one of my disciples. And you have not dug deep in your own soul. Depth. Preparation. Your adversary is not playing with you. Seeking whom he may devour. Devour, not wound, consume. Where the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. That word wrestle is not like WWE wrestle. It is to the death. You are wrestling not with men. Your battle is not with your family, your spouse, your children, your boss, and other people. The devil is motivating and maneuvering people just like the Lord is to push you one way like a tug of war. And God is using people to push you the other way. And the determining factor is which way you go. He knows us. He puts people in our path. May I be very, very vulnerable with you? I'm always authentic with you. I try my best to be just truthful. I want you to see my life. It's good and it's bad. Which it show you one of the times that I saw him coming. When my wife left and I, I spoke to her during the separation, four times in three years I saw her. I went six months where I never heard her voice at a time. And as a man, you struggle with thoughts, you struggle with physical lust and all these things. But where I saw the devil was in the kindness of believers. Do you know the most simple compliment, whether the girl was 20 or 60, it was words from a female that I was not hearing. And there was a part of you that would just come alive. They said, you're such a good man. Something like that. And you could tell that although they were sincere, he was behind it in the sense of, don't you want to hear it more often? Don't you want to feel it more often? The Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. You can, you can see them. If you're, if you're in the Lord, if you're near the Lord, if you're filled with His Spirit and you're thinking His thoughts, you can see the enemy even through blessing. You can see him and go, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. That, that's why it's important that we're not surface, that we know God's voice and we know the origin of something, not just on the surface. That was kindness. That person meant nothing but kindness. But the devil knew that there was a wound there. That if I, all I had to do was either water it or seek it out in someone else and break the covenant of marriage. How, how prepared are you for the wiles of the devil? He doesn't come out and say, hey, I got this plan for you, adultery, 2019. I got this plan for you. No one plans on walking away from the Lord. Now, I'm not doing this for shock value. I'm asking you. How many people in this room, by show of a raised hand, and I want you to keep it up, know someone that, I'm not saying professed, walked with the Lord 
They knew him. They loved him. They served him. They knew his word. They worshiped passionately who no longer walk with the Lord at all. Hold your hand up. Now I want you to look around. I want everybody to look around. Almost everybody. So see, the church wants to debate eternal security and unconditional eternal security. And I'm going to ask you, the scripture says devoured. Lions feed where there's food. Lions feed in the dark. And your adversary is real. He knows you. He's strategic. He's supernatural. And he's ruthless. I know I'm not better than any believer in this room. Quite frankly, if you were to ask me the truth, you could hook me up to a lie detector test. I'd probably fall in the bottom 50% of the people that go to this church. But when he comes for me, it has very little to do with me. He wants to bring disgrace to the Lord and stop, and I say this very meekly, the, the gift, the voice, that's all of the Lord for the encouragement of the saints. He, he wants to silence your influence. He's after our babies. He's after our babies. Our testimony. He wants us to be like Lot that tries to lead his children out of destruction. And then his children think that he's just crazy. You don't have any influence in my life. Your adversary is not just about quick falls. He's about long cons. And you need to ask the Lord, show me where he's active and cut it off. Your adversary is predictable and he's coming. Satan hath desired you to sift you. Are you ready to be sifted? Well, I'd rather just come down and you lay your hands on me and give it to me. No. Depth is the preparation for test. Deep roots, we'll get to that later. Deep foundations, deep knowledge. Deep knowledge of the earth. So when the devil comes and you say it out loud, you say, I see you and I'm not ignorant of your tactics. You're taking a good thing that God meant for good and you're applying it at a weak point in my life to tempt me to sin. It, oh, okay. It's like the king has no clothes. But if you don't know the word, you just say, oh, Lord, thank you for that sweet compliment that that lady gave. You see what I'm saying? You have to know the word. You have to not be ignorant of his devices, his tactics. You know how he deals with you, how he comes. Number two, Simon overestimated himself. Humility. Listen, humility of heart. And I don't mean somebody that just speaks soft. Humility of heart is seeing yourself clearly. You can write it down. That is humility. If you see yourself clearly and respond correctly, weak, frail, double-minded. I don't mean beat yourself up. An honest assessment of yourself, well, that's self-deprecation. No, it drives me into Christ. You see? My weakness, when I see my propensity to, to falter and fail, drives me into Jesus where I am secure and where I am strong. Simon says, not me. I'm the exception. And I, I mentioned it in the text, but I want you to catch the power of it. I want to do it twice. Simon, 
Before tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. No, I won't. When you hear the word of God, he heard the word of God. Now, he heard it through the Christ. You're hearing it from a flawed guy in Macon, Georgia. But nonetheless, it's the word of the Lord. And you say, not me. I'm free. I can do what I, I'm free in him. I don't have those restrictions. Ain't going to happen to me. That haughty spirit that will not allow others to share with you God's word or God's voice directly in your heart is all the devil's waiting on. Now, I, you don't answer to me. You don't owe me. There's nothing you owe me. Nothing. But if I give you the word of God, what you do with it from then on is yours. Simon felt he was the exception. I'll hear people say, I know what the word of God says about forgiveness, but, but, yeah, you, you just don't know. I'm going to hate him to the grave. The Bible says that if you don't forgive every person from your heart, God will not forgive you. I don't care what it says. See, and it talks about the person that doesn't forgive being thrown into prison and released to the torturers until their debt's paid. I'm the exception. Well, you, you can't commit fornication as a pattern, uh, sex outside of marriage as a believer. Well, the Lord knows I love her. You can't commit adultery and sleep with another man's wife. Well, the Lord understands. The Lord and me got this. No. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. It applies to us. It applies to us today. And it won't give. That's why we must, we must pattern our lives not around what men say unless what men say is an explanation of and an echo of what the Lord says. Simon thought he'd be able to see the devil's approach. The devil's design, the devil's working, the devil's players. Simon thought he'd be able to stand, to stand up, to stand out, to stand firm and stand true. Simon thought, listen, this is probably the top point in this message, so I want you to get this. Simon thought he could have spiritual victories through carnal strength. Will. Okay, let's go ahead. King has no clothes. We're going to pull the drape back on the wizard, okay? The Wizard of Oz? What was that? Okay. Willpower doesn't work. In the end, it doesn't work. Oh, you'll have a couple of victories. In the end, it doesn't work. Your flesh wins. Your mind goes blank. Some of us are still paying stupid tax for bad decisions. Willpower doesn't work. But if you walk after the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. We overcome not through effort, but nearness. Nearness. So full of Christ that when the devil knocks on the door, he answers. So full, so satisfied with the things of the Lord. When the devil offers his things, you say, no thank you, I've already eaten. It's like this. I'm an eater. Any other guys in here? Eater. Yeah, y'all think just because I've gained weight that he ain't trying. Maybe I can eat three Whoppers. No problem. If I eat one and some of your sandwich and fries, I'm cutting back. That's a struggle. Struggle's real, y'all. But, you know, and my mom's the best cook in the world. But let's say I go and I go to Outback and I get the cheese fries. And, oh, yeah, by myself, cheese fries. 
Oh, yeah. What would you look it up one time? It was like 3,000 fat grams on the Internet, and you punch it into your computer, and it says, you'll have to jog to Brunswick and back, you know, <laughs> to just get off the cheese fries. So I eat all the cheese fries, and then cheese fries. you got to have a burger to go with the cheese fries, so you get the bacon cheese burger, you know, theme being cheese. You get that slop mayonnaise all over it. And then I get a baked potato because I wouldn't want to have too many fries. And you get a baked potato with butter and sour cream and then a bite or two of dessert, okay? And so you're walking out and you're glad you wore your Sansa belt, you know. The, the fab if fabric could talk, the fabric's like... <coughs> so I'm leaving out back. Uh, we eat a late lunch. It's about 3 o'clock. And I'm like, Kelly, you got to drive. I got to lay the seat back, <laughs> you know. And then you unsnap everything and you know, pull your shirt out over it. Girls, you don't know about guys' tricks, do you? You unsnap and you pull your shirt out over it and you just let everything be free right now. And just free. And uh, then my mama calls. Hey, baby, I just cooked fried chicken. Macaroni and cheese. Corn casserole. You notice the carb theme here? Don't give me no greens. Food eats greens. You see? Food eats green things. And she goes, and I got you uh, your apple crisp and ice cream. I said, Mama, I can't. Baby, it was cooked just for you. Mama, I can't. I'd die. <laughs> uh, okay, hold my place for me because this is too funny. I don't forgot who it was, but I saw something one time. And y'all know it's okay to laugh. It, it helps this other, this serious go down, medicine go down. I saw this comedian on TV one time. It's just that funny. I have to share it with you. I haven't thought about it in years. He was about 550 pounds. I mean, he's so big, other big people orbited around him. This big, big guy. And he said, <laughs> he held his microphone. It was just like he was five, six foot square, just like in every direction. Collar, just no neck, you know. Just, he, said, he said, people ask me why I breathe so hard to live. <laughs> okay. So just to live. Anyway, has nothing to do with the sermon. It just, it just blessed me to do it, you know. I just, anyway. So God is teaching us how to overcome. And I'm about to give you something. If you will believe and apply this, it will change your life. If you are full and satisfied, you are less likely to fail when he offers you the delicacy. Because you're full. But... The things of God never taste like the things of the enemy. In music, it would be like if God plays a C chord and the devil plays a G chord, they're different. That's why when a man is fully satisfied with his wife, she loves him physically, sexually, emotionally, he will still stumble because it's a different chord. It's a different uh, tune. It's a different taste it's a different all of that but if you're full if you walk in the spirit you you don't you can walk away you know i'm full and mama goes fried chicken i said really i'm good so the key is not effort the key is to be filled with the spirit full how could i betray the one i just talked to and poured my soul out and laid my worship upon him it's not a matter of me failing. It's me failing him. My greatest failures as a Christian 
or when I tried to, uh, I tried to maintain or experience Christian victories in carnal strength. doesn't work. doesn't work. If you don't believe me, follow the life of someone that lives that out and see. Number three, Simon wasn't prepared. He undervalued preparation. And I've already covered most of this, so I'm just going to read it very quickly. Judge how you live, where you live, why you live. What's your purpose? If we don't have a life purposed on God, then we have another purpose, and he'll just offer us things in that category. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Meekness is the evidence of an authentic life with Christ because if you walk with God, you see Him as He is, you see yourself as you are, and you say, Woe unto me, I am a sinner. Get away from me, Lord, I'm undone. And that is not self-deprecation, it's humility. It says, I am a sinner, and we bow before the Lord. Being diligent, watchful. All this you hear about gun rights in the news, you know, and everybody says you shouldn't have them, and all the gun owners say you should, and by the way, you should have the right to have a gun. But my point is, if you have a gun and you don't know where it is, or you're not diligent, which means you don't have access to it, you're not watchful, you know, if your dog is in your driveway just barking, barking shut up! There's men coming up your driveway trying to get in the window. Shut up, stupid. You're not watching. Then having a gun in the closet is of no value. Be diligent. Be watchful. Be on the lookout. Your adversary is looking for someone to devour. Now, I'm a novice in shooting guns. But I got some. You come visit me. One of us is leaving skin up. I may shoot myself, but yeah. I got a Mossberg shotgun. I got two Glocks. I'm like... You, I'm, I'm shooting you. If I hear a noise, I, I'll shoot you and drag you in the house. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. He died right here. That one did. And I'm being honest. I hear, guys, you hear a noise at your house, you jump up. You're diligent. You ain't coming in my house. You think you're coming in my house with my babies. Gun or no gun, I promise you, one of us is going to die. Okay, diligent. The man that lays there and his wife says, what's that? Go see, baby. Come on. It's a man coming through the window. If you're diligent and you're prepared, you have defense. Are you watching? I don't mean fear, but are you watching for the enemy? I'm only watching for Jesus. Well, Satan has desired you. He's asked for you. But Christ has prayed for you. And finally, Simon was surprised and overwhelmed by the power of God's grace. When you fail, when you fail, remember that not only has Jesus prepared power for your victories, but grace for your failures. Ben, if you'd come please. This when you fail, remember the necessity of genuine, sorrowful repentance. Simon said, not me. I don't care what anybody else does. Not me. I'll never deny you. And when that rooster crowed the third time, and Jesus just looked at him, he remembered what Jesus told him. And the, the evidence of, even though he was haughty and arrogant, I'll tell you how his heart was healthy. It was not, it was not strong. He wasn't strong 
but his heart was pure. He was naive. And when he failed and he saw Jesus, he went and wept bitterly. Judas failed and went and killed himself. Because Judas failed. Simon failed and went and wept bitterly and repented because he failed Christ. Judas failed himself. I betrayed innocent blood. What's that to us? He went and hung himself. Judas, I can prove to you, Judas wasn't close to the Lord because he didn't think he could go to him. Simon, the Bible says, went and repented bitterly. And when you fail, you need to remember that your failure is never greater than God's grace. So Simon went and wept bitterly. Jesus was crucified and was buried. And then Simon made the statement. He said, uh, I go a fishing, which means so much for apostle, disciple. I'm going to go back to what I knew. I'm going to go back to what I did for so long. And he's out fishing and a voice comes from the shore. They didn't know it, but it was the resurrected Christ. And he said, children, I, I love that. Here's these burly, callous, covered hands. Probably not real into hygiene back then. Fishermen, you know. Children, have you any meat? Have you caught anything? No. They're thinking it's just some guy on the shore. And he said, throw your net on the other side. And they did. And the net was so full of fish that it almost broke. And Simon, the failure. See, the Lord knew that there'd be failures in here today. And you went back. It's not that you don't believe. But the Lord could never use me after this failure. See, the devil is real. Our sins are real. But God's grace is greater than all of it. And when Simon saw the nets full of fish, he said, It's the Lord! And he pulled his clothes off, his tunic off, and naked, which means just his underwear. And he jumped out of the boat. He could care less about temporal things. See, that net full of fish could pay their bills for a month or so. When you meet the Lord and He's in your heart, when, when you love Him, you don't care about blessings. You care about Him. And He dove in the water and swam to Him. What now, give me just five or so, ten minutes at the most. I want you to think through it if you was you. Last time he saw Jesus, Jesus looked at him when he denied him. So he comes out of the water. Here's a grown man in his underwear, just covered in water and mud, walking up through the lake. Hey, Lord. He says, sit down. Bring the fish. Let's have breakfast. How awkward. How awkward to be in a room with the one you said you'd die for and you didn't do it 24 hours. You didn't make it 24 hours without denying him. So they ate the fish. I doubt Simon ate anything. He says, Simon, let's take a walk. Okay. There's no record of him putting his clothes on. I don't know if he did or didn't. I don't believe he thought about it. Jesus said, Simon, you love me. I really do. Jesus asked him, did he love him at this level? 
and I won't get into the Greek words with you, but instead of answering arrogant, like, of course, of course, he said, I love you at this level. One was uh, uh, agape, and the other was filio. And he said, no, Lord. In essence, he said, I don't love you that much, but I, I want to. I'm, I'm not there. And he said, well, feed my lambs. So they walk a little farther. He said, Simon, do you love me up here? No, Lord, I, I love you. I'm not there. Feed my lambs. And they walk a little further. He says, Simon, one more time. Do you really love me down here? He said, thou knowest I do. I don't want to overestimate myself. I'm going to underestimate myself and overestimate you. In essence, is what he said. He said, feed my lambs. What if, and the Bible doesn't say it happened. I'm just, I'm just asking, what if? In your group of friends, if you see Jesus talking to him, you knew about Simon's failure, I'd ask. Like, Simon, when Jesus left, what did he say? He never brought it up. Do you see the power of that? And that Simon, with all his weaknesses and with all his failures and all his strengths and all his accomplishments, Jesus prophesied. He said, now Simon, when you were young, you went where you wanted to go and did what you wanted to do. But when you're old, they're going to stretch you out wide. And in, I'm paraphrasing, you're going to die in a way that you wouldn't pick. Historians tell us that Simon was crucified. And at the very last moment, he said, would you flip this cross upside down? I'm not worthy to die in the same manner of my Lord. And they hung that man upside down and crucified him. So, Pastor John, what are you saying? He was deep enough to finish. Deep failure, deep grace. Are you forgiven? Have you repented, separated yourself, wept bitterly, and had the grace to start over? not going to keep reliving that. That was part of what happened. But I'm more than that. God has grace for that. And Simon was a great, or he, Peter, came Peter, was a great believer. You got to have grace enough to start over. <coughs> I am not what I've done only. And if Christ doesn't bring it up, did you catch it? Why do you keep Repentance, repentance, grace, grace, deep grace. I was a fornicator. I was a drunk. I lived perverted. I was a liar. I was a thief. I was selfish and self-centered. And I am not perfect, but I'm washed. I'm washed. I'm not the same anymore. I want us to take the next several weeks, if God gives us opportunity, to when you hear a subject, you say, how, say this phrase, how deep I am, am I in that truth? Do you live forgiven? No shame. I can share my testimony with you, but I ain't got no shame. I have a robe of righteousness, which is the Lord Jesus Christ draped upon me. I put on the Lord Jesus. I'm fine. I'm everything I told you, but I'm not that anymore. Deep grace. 
if you ain't got deep grace, what are you, how are you living? With your head down, shuffling, I'm just a worm, I'm just a worm. No, He delivered you from wormship. <coughs> now we're the sons of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? No hype, no fanfare, and you won't spend a lot of time here. But if you need to come to this altar and stand, you and the Lord know why. Or Neil, I want you to come right now. If there's something you just want to say or commit or turn away from or settle or remind, Lord, I want, I want to be in deep grace. If that phrase resonates in your heart, I want to be in deep grace. Not just surface. I want to know it. I want to feel it. I want to wear it. I'm going deeper today, Lord. I want to feel forgiveness, Lord. Who am I to bring up what you don't mention after it's forgiven? Church family, would you bow your heads with me? I just believe this is for someone specific. You may not even go to this church, and I do not know who it is. But you used to be a minister of some sort. Pastor, teacher, evangelist. I don't know. Could be just a Sunday school teacher, deacon, elder. But you were in leadership. And you didn't turn all the way away, but I go a fishing. You just went back to doing what you were doing. The gifts and call of God are without repentance. That grace is for you this morning. And you don't have to give the devil two weeks notice. You say, I received that grace for my life. No one looking around if that's you. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. Deep grace. Deep grace. I speak this over the people in this altar. Great grace is upon you. Transforming grace, life-giving grace, renewing grace, healing grace, profound grace, particular grace, specific grace, accurate grace, grace for your shortcomings, grace for your failures, grace for your weaknesses, grace for your sins. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, only those that are close to the Lord this morning, and I know there are many that everybody can't come, but I want you, lady with the lady, guy with the guy, just come behind them. And don't overpower their prayer, but say, I pray in agreement with them, Lord. Deep grace for this one. Come on, saints. Come on. Come pray with them, please. I'm agreeing with you today. Sister, I'm agreeing.